1: Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I'm joined by Paul Doolan. Hi there. Paul, thank you for coming on the
2: show. Pleasure.
1: We're all very excited to have you. Unfortunately, uh, Dave Watson is unavailable tonight uh, to be on Britain's most irregular Newcastle (laughs) United-based podcast. Um, There's always lots of apologies in, in recent months about how few Natters there are. But perhaps because there are so few, that is what makes them such a treasured jewel. So um, since the last time we podded, uh, there's been, we've progressed in the FA Cup. There's been uh, our 2-0 win against Fulham, followed by a nice victory against Villa. Uh, a barnstorming 4-4 home draw to Luton Town. win against Forest, and then the 2-2 against Bournemouth this weekend. And there's also been uh, the, the controversy, dare I say, of... I'm not the sort of person who says dare I say. The controversy of Dan Ashworth leaving for Man United. So we'll talk about that. But Dan Ashworth aside, where do you feel... We are, as a club, do you think our situation has improved
2: since the last time we podded? It's very odd, because this season seems to be, there'll be a problem. And you think, oh, we just need to fix that problem, we're fine. And then a new one comes up. So like, oh, as soon as we start getting injured players back, we'll be fine. And we've got great home form. So as soon as we can start winning away from home, we'll be fine. Since the turn of the year, we're we're winning every away game and we can't win at home. It's weird, isn't it? It's very weird. Like, it, it felt like a fortress. And we're back to having a week between games pretty consistently now. And
1: the just... situation is improving slightly, but you'd have to say in the last couple of games at least, we've suffered from basically not having a striker.
2: Yeah. If you'd said sort of Villa away, Luton home, Forest away, Bournemouth home, you would win two of those games. You would never have picked Villa as one of those. Right. I think it is that that lack of striker. Bit of problem all season. And we keep saying, how many times this season have we said, oh, soon we'll have one of the strikers back, so it'll be okay. I think we need to remember, injured players come back, that doesn't mean they can't get injured again. That's true, and it doesn't mean that other players can't get injured.
1: Yeah. Which but, is what they, it traditionally...
2: Yeah. I mean, got, this year, we've only lost two to two teams, teams though. So. That's Man City and Liverpool. Is that right? That's absolutely right. This calendar year.
1: Oh, this calendar year. All yeah. oh, right. Sorry.
2: <laughs> I was like, this season has not... It's been no, a lot. no, not this season. Not it. We lost to Forest on Boxing Day at home right yeah so
1: yeah uh it it's it's definitely uh still very much a downturn on last season so uh where do we stand on the side as a whole dan burns still starting he's, he's starting every game at left back yeah and every game it's the post-game, it's becoming a big talking point and the consensus, at least amongst the fans, seems to be, well, surely it's time for livermento now. What's going on there? Is it, is it what we were starting to
2: think might be a sort of Eddie Howe stubbornness? Is that what it is? It's possible. I mean, that left side is being targeted and we have played a lot of teams with very pacey right-wingers, but then right-wingers tend to be quite pacey it's not always been a problem for burn in the past you think of like previous arsenal games where he's got the better of saka it's not like pace and skill always bother him but he's so out of form i think there's a big argument for taking him out for his own good because it his confidence must be shot but Absolutely. i think the reason he's keeping him in is because he doesn't see the problem as Dan Byrne. He sees the problem as the system leaving him exposed, which is kind of fair enough. I don't know if Liveramento would be any less exposed than Dan Byrne, but you would you would have to feel Liveramento would do better in those one-on-ones. You wonder whether there, you know, being
1: such a sort of like stats-led, data-led um, operation whether they're, they're sort of evaluating the height that Dan Byrne gives you at set pieces is worth so much. He gives you so many, um, I don't know, positive
2: data points. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they. he keeps saying that the reason Byrne's staying in as well as what he, what he brings as part of that leadership team, but I've... I feel like if we've not already passed it, we're getting close to the point where you think he he needs taken out of the firing line. It doesn't feel too far off St. James's Park sort of turning against Dan Byrne. He, uh, someone posted a video today of him
1: getting skinned by Almoron when he was, I think, a Brighton player. Uh, so that was quite uh. an interesting video to see. Um, it feels like... I don't know, am I wrong in thinking? I I think it's totally fair, all the criticism of Dan Byrne, and I don't think it's got to the point where it's got um, nasty in most quarters. I don't, it's completely reasonable. And I, you know, I, if I was in charge, I'd be, I'd probably be putting Livermento in at left back at the moment. But like, do you feel like we, other than Shearer, homegrown not homegrown but like Geordie's
2: in our side get like a harsher deal from our fans from sometimes the... it's, yeah I feel like Paul Dummett definitely did who else who else would you put in that bracket Sean Longstaff maybe, does Sean Longstaff certainly has
1: um, maybe it's just the fact that we haven't had like uh, I mean since Shearer other than Shearer and before him Gaza, yeah. like we haven't, or Beardsley, we
2: haven't had like top, top Geordies in the side. Yeah, I don't know if Burns being sort of criticised because he's from Newcastle either. No, I definitely don't think that. I just wonder whether like, you know that
1: way that like, um, I always think people characterise someone like Lewis Dunk as a player that he actually isn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. because his name is Lewis Dunk. And because, like, you know, in a way that, like, I feel like Dan Byrne will get more, will get criticized quicker than someone called Florian Lejeune.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, I think it, the look of him as well is sort of part of it. But you have to remember, too, he's playing out of position, he's not a left back. This comes into a bit for me, the, the how stubbornness is just, it worked for a while. I get the need to have him in that system where you want to change to a back three during games, but you have to reach a point and say, like, we're conceding two goals every game. I don't think Burn is, I think the bigger problem for our defence isn't Dan Byrne, but it's Martin Dubravka. Since he came in, we've got the worst defence in the league.
1: That's true. Our defense has been terrible of late. We are conceding a heck of a lot of goals, and it does uh, it, it does tally with when Dubravka came in. And it's not that he's not a good shop stop, shot stopper. He does make quite a few saves. It's just it, it, it's that he's he's not able to come out in the way that Nick Pope does, right?
2: Yeah, I think this comes down to. I think there is an issue with Eddie Howe this season, not enough to be massively on his back, but tactically he's been very inflexible. Like you look at when we had our injury crisis, we could all see what needed to happen, but he, he would stick with that system, not make any changes, and it's had a knock-on for the whole rest of the season. I think with the way we play with that 4-3-3 and a high line, you need to keep a, keeper, who can basically play as a sweeper. And Martin Dubravka isn't that. So if you're going to play Martin Dubravka, you either change the shape of the team or go into a sort of much lower block or you concede more goals. And we seem to have chosen just concede more goals and stick to the 4-3-3 exactly as it was because it's worked before. Yeah. Any
1: Any
2: other factors which seem to never I mean the fact we can't change that midfield three because of injuries the fact Bruno's had nine yellows so can't make any tackles the back four are getting no protection from the midfield because Longstaff's out of four, Miley's 17, Bruno's not allowed to tackle till March or whenever last couple of games Miley's been playing sort of number six right? and he yeah, seems he'd looked to have good reviews for it. He's looked quite good there. Sort of, I mean, part of that has been alongside Longstaff and Bruno. Where making one tackle makes you look like a sort of gutuso figure. But no, he's been good. I think I don't think Howe wants him to be playing as many games as he is. I still think we're better off with Bruno playing that deep because he just gets involved more. I wonder what kind of talent Lewis Miley is because usually you often
1: get players who are when they start playing very young, you can see a lot of talent just like in their like skill or the way they move or whatever, and and but they they lack experience and like I don't know they lack being able to read the game so well. But Lewis Miley's Already feels like uh, I don't I don't know like peak Jack Colback. Do you know what I mean? He, he already yeah. feels, he already feels like a a Premier League player. But is there? Where's he going? to, It's hard to say. But is there like a real talent in there? Do you know what I mean? Like are we? I think
2: he's going to be the best midfielder to have ever played the game. Wow. By by some de- he'll be twice as good as Zidane. Well, he's just been mentioned in the same sentence as Jack Colback. so <laughs> that's true, but we didn't expect that. I mean, I think there's a lot of hopes on his shoulders. Apparently the English you know mean? yeah. see him as a number six yeah. eventually. I think that's seen as his long-term position. It's hard to know. It, yeah. it depends on how like we can definitely remember players who at seventeen, you've thought are going to come on and be amazing, and they're pretty much careers over by twenty-one. Well, I guess what I mean is that, I, in a weird way, he he actually
1: hasn't shown any like outstanding talent. He's just already just seems like he can read the game to a Premier League standard. You know, he he,
2: yeah. he can do basics very well, which is a really really good thing. But like, I think being consistent science, as well in the Premier League yeah. at that age, yeah in that position is a very big deal.
1: Those are amazing things, but like is it'll be interesting to see if like he evolves so that we're able to see like real like
2: you know, talent. You I know think it? there's gonna be one season where he'll come back from summer and suddenly look like a man and not a, a baby. That's going to be weird. Because it'll have shagged loads of girls you yeah. <laughs> know. It'll be like a reverse, uh, what's the name, in Greece, where she turns up at the end looking different. Olivia Newton-John. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She could turn up smoking and scoring loads of goals. Well, it, would be, it would be amazing if Lewis
1: Miley turns up for pre season training wearing leather trousers
2: <laughs> on a motorbike. Could happen. Where do you think he is in the pecking order for our midfield? Like once Willock and Elliot Anderson are back. It's really hard to say. To I think
1: because of where Because he's starting to play that number six role that you but um Elliot Anderson you wouldn't say is going to end up doing. And I don't think Joe Willock is going to end up doing.
2: It. He might be ahead of both of them. Yeah, he feels like more of an understudy for Bruno now than I know. I feel like when we were looking at squad depth before, it was like maybe Longstaff can play in that number six role at a push. But when, when rather than if Bruno gets his 10th yellow, I would imagine Miley will go into that position.
1: Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, and then, of course, eventually we'll have Tenali hopefully to play a role. Um, let's have a quick break. And uh, then there's a lot to talk about in terms of uh, Dan Ashworth, uh, the traitor that he is. And um, we'll be back in a moment. We are playing on Saturday night. An unusual eight o'clock clock kickoff on Saturday night, away at the Emirates against Arsenal. Paul, you potentially have my future in your hands. Yeah,
2: what's going on? Because last I got day I heard, an email oh, today. Oh. Yeah, from my old boss, who has a box at Arsenal. He can't go to that game. He was offering his two tickets to me and someone else who currently works for him. I'm going to be at a wedding on Saturday night trying mm-hmm. to sneak to the pub downstairs to watch it. Mm-hmm. So I can't go. Where's the wedding? It's in Balham.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: So, um, should, we say, um, should we say who it is, your boss? Uh, it's a guy called Asha Tala. who's Talla. produced TV. The office. TV producer,
1: produced the office, won a lot of awards, uh, got his own production company. I know him to like, say hello to, have some like, you've worked with him. I've worked with him. I know him t- to chat with, but you've worked with him a lot more than I have. You know him very well. Do you have his number in your phone? I do. Yes. Yeah. See, I don't, I'm not at the stage where I've got his number in my phone. Um, so when was the last time you you called, you you emailed and said, I can't go, but I'm sure Fergus will, right?
2: Yes. I put your name forward. Has the other was- guy who was invited said, very up for it, happy to go with Fergus. Never met him, but always wanted to fuck him, which I, I think he was says. a joke. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I okay. assume that's a joke. or well, you might, see. you might have quite the night in store. Okay. So, The other guy is up for going with me, but Ash hasn't replied yet. Though I've just replied to them So if you're up for that, and it's okay with Ash. So we're waiting. The Damocles is hanging over you. Can you call Ash now? (laughs) Do it live on the pod. No. I mean, Ash probably knows quite
1: a few Georgies through the industry.
2: I think he had a night out with Mike Ashley once, he was telling me. Okay. Well Sorry.
1: maybe Mike Ashley. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know if Mike Ashley would help.
1: Jimmy Nail. Dunno. We'll see. I'm nervous. I've got the go ahead from my my girlfriend. I'm allowed to go.
2: Well go hopefully. Ahead. I mean, in a way, I don't mind missing it. I'm sure we'll get onto the Arsenal game later, but I it's hard to see anything positive coming out of it. Sure. The last
1: time I was at that game in that box I went in that box with you the only time I've ever been and we lost to Arsenal and uh, about two weeks later there was a global pandemic and the whole world was on lockdown
2: and I remember last time I was in that box because he shares it with Sam Mendes movie producer so you could go and just read parts and get cast in a film it's true I should do that this could be my chance do a monologue Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, you're Sam Mendes.
1: Last time we watched Newcastle there, I think two fullbacks made their debuts for us. Whoa. And they were...
2: Lazaro?
1: Lazaro and someone we had on loan. Maybe it wasn't his debut. Oh. Uh... Danny Rose. Oh, God, Danny Rose. I think we were really singing both their
2: praises. (laughs) Okay, so
1: those were I will
2: keep you updated, but it's a real... If you like tension in your podcasts, then you've got it in bucket loads here.
1: Now, those signings, Danny Rose... Lazaro, someone else who played in that game, I think was um, Ben Tanker. Yeah. Those were the sort of signings that we were making at at, at that uh, time. Not that long ago either. Not that long ago, but, you know, a whole pandemic ago. But under the previous, well, like actually four years ago, but under the previous regime, those are the sort of signings that we were making. Since then, we've uh, been taken over by the Saudis and they, I think we were all pleased to see, they brought in Dan Ashworth, uh, a director of football with a great reputation for bringing in good signings. But it looks like we've lost him. He's going to Man U, isn't he? Well,
2: he's either going to Man U or he's going to his garden for a long time. Yeah, it's like so so
1: basically Man United wanted him. He wanted to go to Man United and I guess I, you can sort of from if he's got no personal ties to the club considering the situation we've got ourselves in now where because of um FFP it's very difficult to actually buy
2: anyone. Well, it depends on what his role cuz I think he gets talked about a lot as being like part of the recruitment side. I think he's only part of the recruitment up to the point when it comes to negotiating the deals. I don't think he's... He's not identifying signings or anything like that. He's really the centre of the club, trying to make sure every department works and syncs up. He'll be in charge of it. He'll put someone in charge of recruitment that he thinks will be good enough at recruitment that he won't have to do recruitment himself. And that would go for the women's team, kind of sports science, whatever other departments there are, cheese and wine, I assume mm. the department of. So it's more, he's the centre, the analogy I think he used himself was being like the centre of the wheel and there's all these spokes coming off him. Whereas I think there's been a lot of made on Twitter of like, I think Sky Sports was saying like, well, he was responsible for signing Bruno and then Newcastle fans were go, no, he was there before him. But the point is, I don't think Ashworth was responsible for any of our sign-ins. I think the bits he's responsible for, you can't really tangibly measure at the moment because they won't really bear fruit for ages.
1: The I mean, the worrying thing is that he, it seems like the sort of role that will bear fruit if he's there for a long time.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a long-term role, which he's not done particularly long term. He seems to move on quite quickly. I don't know how long he was at West Brom, but I think he went West Brom, then the FA, then Brighton, then us, then Man U. Um, And now he's off to Man U who,
1: to be fair, it's hard to think of a club in Europe who could do with someone with his reputation more. Mm. Um, I saw Martin Samuels in the times suggesting that
2: uh we should be
1: looking for like sixty million pounds compensation
2: and, yeah, he, and Martin he, Samuel seems to have a real seems to say whatever you would assume the Saudis would want the journalist to say right. i don't th- I don't think there is anything deliberate in that but it's just very very convenient
1: right but I mean he would, the the way he made the point which is fair enough is like if you know when he was naming players you know if you know, whatever player is worth fifty million, then surely someone who can do all this for the, your club and is spoken about in these terms should be worth the same. Um, yeah. It, it apparently the word on the street is that we uh, want fifteen million pounds. Mm, to I've read back. twenty and fifteen. Yeah, cool. to release Dan Ashworth from his twenty-month gardening leave period. I can imagine. Uh, it also uh, apparently we've um, we've taken away his access to the computers <gasps> and all of the scouting data that is on our computers. Although, of course, all he needs to do is go to Football Manager because it's all there. Um, I guess we'll see how it plays out. Are you? Are you? Are you annoyed? Are you
2: worried? Are you not necessarily worried? I think it is a role that's easily replaceable, but I think he does seem to be the best at that role in the industry, and we had him. So I'm not quite. I'm not on board with a little, oh, fuck him! Don't let the door hit you on the way out, sort of yeah. brigade. There's not many positions where we've got like the best in the field. Yeah, it did feel
1: like a place where we had a tangible, at least if he if he is as good as everyone says he is, we had like a tangible advantage.
2: I think what's interesting that came out during some of the stories that he maybe feels he's not got the level of control he was expecting. And I think there's there's certain deals where Eddie Howe's been more involved and certain other things where Stavely and Gaddusi have been more involved. I think because he was appointed after them, the power structure at the club's all a bit backwards. So I think, I think the problem is, if one section, who do you want to have most control in the direction of the club? Dan Ashworth, who has sort of agreed to be the best at that in the country, or do you want it to be Stavely and Gaddusi already? How and. Only one of those is sort of a leading figure in their job. Eddie Howe's a very good manager, but Manu, I don't think, would be coming in for Eddie Howe to take them to be in the biggest club in the world.
1: No, and you'd say that if Eddie Howe came into Manu, that wouldn't solve all the problems that Manu yeah. had for the last few years. Whereas if Dan Ashworth is the man we're led to believe, maybe he can actually solve those problems. That- yeah. Uh,
2: which makes him a loss for us, but I uh, think we're still an exciting enough project that we can get someone of his level. Whoever, like the next in line, is because of the we're a pretty unique project. Man, you are just also a, a unique project who can actually spend their money.
1: But isn't it a case of like I know you said he's he's not all about recruitment, but. I would have imagined he he left Brighton for us aside who at that time were not finishing higher than Brighton. He left Brighton for us because of the budget. And now yeah. and, and, and now anyone else who's looking at us right now, I mean, I don't know what their projections are for like what we're gonna be able to spend in like two years or whatever is. I imagine considering we're almost certainly not qualifying for the Champions League this season, um, it's gonna be lower than it could have been um, for someone coming in now that th- they might realise that there's going to be less to spend than perhaps Dan Ashworth thought there was a year or two ago. You
2: know what I'm saying? Maybe, yeah, maybe. I think there's budget and there's transfer budgetment though. I don't think he came to us for the recruitment mission. I think he came for us for the challenge of having the amount of money the Saudi state or PIF, depending on what you think, have behind them to transform a club that is a sleeping giant into man city there's not many bigger projects than that in the world and that's still our project but rejuvenating man U is a bigger project because of the yeah. size the club is at the minute
1: okay,
2: and it's well, more immediately exciting but i don't think i don't think we'll have any trouble attracting people because they'll be thinking oh FFP means they can't spend. We've still bought Isaac, Tenali, Bruno.
1: I'm sure we'll talk about it um, again when there's somebody else who's lined up to come in. It, it sort of reminds me of, I felt like in the Mike Ashley days, we were just talking, we were always talking about, like, people in, like, CEOs and chairmen and whatever, and, like, I always hated that. I want to talk about football, man. I want to talk about footballers. I want to talk about Celestine Babayaro, bro. At last. Um. Okay. Well, uh, our next game is against Arsenal. Hopefully, I'll be there to cheer on the lads. Me and Sam Mendes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Casting any Geordies soon, (laughs) Sam. Any Georgia roles coming up? Uh, yeah, Arsenal Saturday night. And then just uh, a few days later on Tuesday night, we've got Blackburn away in the FA Cup, live on BBC One. I think that is the bigger game for me. Do you know what it is? Do you know what? You're right. Because Arsenal away, you want us to do our best we are to be fair on current form a better side away but Arsenal Arsenal are doing are playing very well at the
2: moment they're scoring a lot of goals interestingly for us as well they're doing it without a recognised striker we're pretty much without a recognised striker at the minute we're we could do with doing what they do (laughs)
1: Do you know what we haven't talked about? Um, One, we got Harvey Barnes back, and almost immediately he's contributing, so that's good. Yeah. Um, And also, Matt Ritchie. Ah. Matt Ritchie came on as a sub against Bournemouth. Who'd have thought it? It was him who scored the equaliser. We weren't watching it live, but the WhatsApp group was whirring away. Uh, We were unable to watch it. Um, That's mainly because of where we live, which is in the same country where the game is on. Therefore, we couldn't watch it.
2: I did manage to briefly move to America for the end of the second half. It's good. Um, So I was able to watch it on my phone. Good. Now, uh, yeah,
1: Richie scored a goal. And we we were asking in WhatsApp, you know, has he gone for the corner flag? Did he do that celebration? And he did. And um, you might have thought maybe under the circumstances at home at Bournemouth,
2: it was one of those, you should pick the ball up and run it back to the centre. Yeah, there was still another eight minutes to play. (laughs) (laughs) But, I I mean, there's not a lot about that goal that was right. But I'm so glad it happened. But, you know... I suppose if you're at
1: that game and you see Matt Ritchie score, and he doesn't
2: absolutely butcher a corner flag, then you're yeah. gonna to it. He, this feels harsh. He might not get the chance to do that again. In a way, I hope he doesn't. Like I want to see Matt Ritchie coming on when we're two or three nil up. This is the other problem lately as well. We've not really had any leads where we can bring players on, apart from the Sunderland game. Where you feel like, I feel like last season we were making substitutions all the time because the game was dead and buried. Yeah. We're constantly having to come from behind at the minute. But Matt Ritchie, he felt that, he enjoyed
1: it. And you'd have to say odds on his last goal for Newcastle United. Certainly, it must be his last season for us,
2: surely. Yeah. I would be amazed. Do you want to predict the score against Arsenal? I would really, I would be quite pleased with a really shit-housed nil-nil that gives Arteta an aneurysm or that level it's of, the
1: thing, actually, there is a... There's beef. There is beef, isn't there? We are, they hate us. I yeah, we, I don't feel terrible. like we're
2: bothered about them.
1: We've played them once this season at home and we beat them 1-0. We are currently their bogey team. I'd forgotten that. Yeah.
2: It's not like although long. we're not their bogey team at the Emirates.
1: But didn't we what didn't we last season like get a draw?
2: I feel like we drew last at season, the Emirates. Yeah. I you think know.
1: we drew at the Emirates last season and Arteta was just furious that we had not, you know, they were suggesting, you know, we weren't playing football, you know, because we hadn't just, like, opened up. I would up. take that again. And we'd done, I think that was when we were at the peak of our shithousery. We were doing a lot of
2: time-wasting and all that. Which I, I do feel like is something we need to get back into our game. It depends. I think as well, probably being coloured too negatively this game from the last three games of Luton, Forrest and Bournemouth I don't know if you saw the thing that was doing the round I think our record against the top six and the bottom six is almost identical in terms of points
1: Right, that sounds about right
2: no, we're, not. we're worse than we should be against the bottom six and probably better than we should be against the top six
1: I think, I think we'll lose 2-1 but there's maybe two nil actually. But there, but there's a chance that it, I'd, I'd forgotten about our like beef against Arsenal and the fact that at the moment we're on good away form. But our defence is so shit at the moment. Yeah,
2: back I would. A- I wouldn't one. mind seeing us set up with five at the back. See that happening? There, he's just so. Well, that's
1: the question. Is it going to be Live Romento or are we going to see the experiment of an informed Saka versus Dan Boone?
2: I don't see Eddie Howe changing, no. which is not necessarily a good thing. Um, what's the deal? Because with Lewis Hall,
1: we, I think that, that it has to be something in the contract about appearances, right? Because I, You would think so, but I'm sure they've denied that. Right, because just to recap for anyone who's not following the Lewis Hall saga, he is, as we understood it, we were loaning him for a season with an obligation to buy for 30-something million. But then he's played so little this season, despite left-back being perhaps our most problem position, and us having so many injuries, and him being a, a versatile player player who can play in a number of positions, he still played very, very little. He did play a bit more in the first half of the season and and maybe it's just a case of it, him not being considered up to the job. But there I think been... when
2: he has played as well, like he scored in he scored the Carabao in his... Cup.
1: He did. He did score that nice goal in the Carabao Cup and it's hard to imagine that he's going to be more of a risk defensively at left-back than Dan Burns is at the moment. But th- there are suspicions, as you say, maybe denied by the club, that um, maybe it's a case of if he doesn't make a certain amount of appearances this season, maybe we don't have to spend 30-something million on buying him.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that would make sense, but I'm sure that was put to them before and they said that's not the case. So I just... The- if not,
1: then he's a thirty-something million-pound player who we're just not playing, which is
2: yeah. Considering how many injuries we've had, which for a for a top club isn't that unusual,
1: if you think about it. But in terms of fitness,
2: we haven't had a top squad no since the season. Yeah, there's games where you think it like it seems mad that he didn't get into our midfield at any point. In the last sort of four games, where we've not been able to switch it around. You, he can play central midfield. So it's mad that he's not been switched in there for a bit.
1: I hope he's all right. Mm. He's got family in the neighbourhood, and he so maybe that's helping. But I hope it's like he's not feeling.
2: I hope I hope he's okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it might be one of those that picks next season as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, um let's leave it there. Who knows when we'll be back, uh sooner rather than later, I hope. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul Dolan. Thank you. Thank you to the Newcastle Nutter listener. We really appreciate you downloading this podcast and making it feel like a worthwhile endeavor. Um and ho- here's hoping that me and Sam Mendes are in the box Saturday night, half and half scarves.
2: Good luck. All right. Thank you. Goodbye.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?